Get your gear ready. This is a Sherpa's Guide to Innovation. It's 2019 and this is a Sherpa's Guide to Innovation, a podcast dedicated to guiding you along your innovation expedition. Greetings and salutations from yours truly, Benjamin Tingey, podcast host. Today, we'll be discussing how to develop an organizational ecosystem by training employees in innovation skills and methods. And so we've invited three very special guests to the studio today, Elizabeth Watson, Manager of Innovation, Sally Beck, Senior Strategy Associate, and John Tart in his podcast debut, AVP of Enterprise Risk Management. Welcome. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Woo. Hey. This <laughs> is Elizabeth. Excited to be here. Awesome. So glad to have y'all here. So Elizabeth and Sally are the architects, teachers, and coaches of the Catalyst program, a cohort-style design thinking curriculum intended to help participants learn by doing. John has participated in in two of the cohorts, Level 1 and Level 2, so we're excited about getting each of their perspective today about scaling innovation competencies across large organizations. If you need a refresher on design thinking, check out episode 19, in which Elizabeth and our good friend David Phillips of the innovation advisory firm Faster Glass provide an introductory overview. And we'd also recommend perusing the great work of the Stanford D School and IDEO. They have exceptional resources available for those who want to learn and apply human-centered design and their work in, in the community. A quick message to our listeners, please subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating and a review on iTunes. All right, let's kick it off with key takeaways. What one thing would each of you like our listeners to remember about building an innovation ecosystem in an organization? Sally, let's uh, let's start with you. It is as much about the process as it is about uh, transferring the skills and knowledge. So meeting where the teams are is the best way to communicate that. Perfect. Thank you, Sally. Elizabeth. Uh, one thing that we have learned and what my key takeaway is that organizations have to invest in outside the classroom, outside the program, innovation infrastructure, or else people go back to their day jobs and it's really hard to get stuff done. All right. John, what's your takeaway? You know, Ben, I grew up in the mountains and I'm an outdoor enthusiast and I would not think about going whitewater rafting without a guide. And I think the key takeaway for me is there is an outstanding group of people at the Innovation Engine that stand ready to support you, guide you. And I think you call them Sherpas (laughs) for any project that you may want to take on. They're the experts. Uh, They will showcase some of the tools and the resources. Um, So don't be afraid to reach out and partner with them. But you still got to own the project. Very kind. Thank you, John. That's great. Thank you for your takeaways. That's a great way to kick it off. So let's begin with the beginning, a very good place to start, right? How would you describe the purpose of the Catalyst program? So Elizabeth and Sally, maybe I'll kick it off with with each of you. What's the purpose of the program and how did it get started? So the purpose of the program is to, well, there's two reasons. One is selfish, and so I won't start with that. The first reason (laughs) that we started the program is because we wanted to spread innovation techniques and methods throughout the organization. We know innovation happens everywhere, and so we wanted to make it easier uh, for people to get that done. Selfishly, we are a very small team, and so we wanted to empower more people to 
do some of the human-centered design work on their own so that they didn't always have to come and request our help just because not that we don't want to help, just that we have very few people, I will say again. (laughs) We are a small but mighty team. We actually got started before the classes actually started, as many things do. Um, And I think it was actually before Sally got here. That was one of her first assignments is that she would be helping with this program. When the Innovation Engine started, we had been doing some one-day leadership innovation trainings, some boot camp sessions, and they were very popular, well-received. People came away from them really energized, but then nothing. (laughs) And so what we found is that there was an appetite for it, but uh, the needs weren't really being met by those workshops. And so we were tasked to come up with a more robust training program. We have a lot of friends at Kaiser Permanente and they have a catalyst program. Um, Their catalyst program, I believe, was inspired by the Intuit Catalyst program. And so Mm. the first year or so was really us doing our best KP and Intuit impression (laughs) (laughs) until we sort of learned uh, how to do it our own way. So Sally, you came on in the early stages. What was it like at the very beginning? To me, I appreciated how KP and Intuit, they borrowed a lot of the things that I learned from design school. So it wasn't nothing new. The process was the same. The mindsets were the same. It was just, you know, how do we do it in a large organization? That was the fun part and difficult part. (laughs) Yeah. John, do you remember when you first heard about the Catalyst program when applications were open? What was that process like? Yeah, I do. I actually heard about it from my boss who's on the Business Innovation Council. Uh, And Keith came and told me about it, uh, that it was something that was going to be launched, that he recommended that I explore it. Uh, So I think I reached out to Elizabeth, had a conversation, filled out the application, and was fortunate enough to get involved from that standpoint. So the word is getting out through whatever mechanisms you have, but the Business Innovation Council uh, is how I found out about it. Awesome. So how long has the program been running now? So we are about to launch our fourth level one cohort. So four years. We had basically a full year of planning. So five years if you count that. Okay. So how has the program evolved over those years from the very first cohort to the latest cohort that you did just just wrapped up a few months ago? In the beginning, as I said, we were sort of doing our best impression of other leaders in this space. And so we borrowed a lot from other organizations. And one of the things that we learned right away is that innovation is more than just design thinking and it's more than just tools. It's really getting it done, which in every organization is going to be different. And so over the course of the last four years, we've developed our own tools. And a lot of what we teach is influenced by what we do day to day in the innovation engine. It's much more of an atrium health product now, whereas before it may have been very similar to what you would have gotten Hmm. in sort of a generic human centered design class. I think when we first started, we focused a lot on the process. So how do we, in six months, take this group of people through the entire design thinking process? So we were very like process-oriented. But now I think we've shifted that to more of, you know, how can we help these teams um, articulate their problem and also test some of their hypotheses and assumptions? Because 
what we've noticed is that there are some groups who already have a solution in mind and they just need research to validate. Is the product working? How is it being used today? And then there are some groups that have identified a problem, but they're not exactly sure like what are some of the best solutions to address it. So we just want to create a curriculum where we can meet the teams where they are. Yeah. Yeah. So we have varying levels of progress along the projects that they're working on at the time. John, what were some of the projects that you and, and your team brought to the table when you participated in the, in I the think program? One of the, one of the key things we worked on was around patient satisfaction or patient engagement. Uh, we were looking for ways to develop toolkits specifically for nurse managers that had departments with engagement scores that were in a level two or a level three, and how could we work with them to give them the tools to bring those scores up? Uh, and it was uh, through some conversations with nurse managers and conversations with patients and conversations with others where we learned what was important uh, for people to to experience and the kind of tools that they might need. And so we were able to develop some of those toolkits and, and hopefully make a difference in the patient engagement. Awesome. And I'll point out here that this John is one of our our rare catalysts who signed up without a project. And typically we have not we we have discouraged that, although it happens every year. There are people who are just excited about learning. And so John is very brave. And so he joined a team <laughs> who are, they were already working on some really, you know, some some tough and important uh work. So I think I hope that you got a lot out of that, even though when you went back to your day job, that wasn't always what you were working on. It, it was. I, I have a background on the clinical side, so it was uh, it was interesting to me to see that. But at the same time, I am a department of one. Uh, so when I looked at this and it said you need to bring people from your team, I was like, well, I'm all you got. So I had to fit in <laughs> I somewhere. Am a team. <laughs> right. I had to fit in somewhere. And Elizabeth was kind enough to have that conversation with me on the forefront to say, look, you know, here's how it's designed, but you're going to have to fit into an existing project. I had some choices around which project I felt best would would meet what I was wanting to do. So I had a lot of flexibility there. Awesome. Well, we talked about learning. What <laughs> principles of adult learning have you incorporated along the way? Elizabeth, I know this is some – you've done a lot of research in how to make learning effective uh, in, in a work setting and, and among adults. So what are some of the principles that you incorporated and, and what are some examples of how you did that? So we knew from the beginning that this wouldn't just be like a come to class, do some activities, take tools back to your team. We knew that we wanted to teach and then sort of send people back with homework to work on a project that they had some control over that needed an innovative approach. So we started that from the beginning, which I think is a good uh, way to teach adults is to have them actually, you know, get their hands dirty and do it. As we have had more experience and as we have learned from other teachers, we have started to make better use of our classroom time because we have found that unlike some training programs, none that I will ever name, um, <laughs> that people tend to have a lot of fun in our classroom time. Um, but we want to make sure that people are doing things in class that have to be done in class. So listening to Sally and I talk about like the principles of human-centered design, that might not actually be the best way to use their time in class. Hmm. And so we have started shifting to more of a flipped classroom model where people do some homework, they come to class, we talk about things, they may practice something in their group, and then they actually apply it to the project. We try not to do a lot of like just for fun activities because there are a lot of fun activities that we could do, but we know everyone's time is really 
is really valuable. And that's that's truly the investment people are making and it's what their leaders are, are making. So we want to um, be good stewards of their time. I think one of the things we saw and commented on in our cohort and Elizabeth and Sally were, um, you know, kind of called an audible in the program and adjusted to it. That was we were working together on a project. We were spending carved out classroom time. We had that on our calendar, but we didn't have carved out time for our project. Mm. And so they helped us dedicate some of that time and get some other time for that project. Because once you once you break up as a team, all four of us go our respective ways, getting new time on the calendar to work on that really project hard. can be quite yeah. difficult. Oh, yeah. So blocking that into the schedule as we went was extremely helpful and allowed us to move that project much faster than trying to schedule it on our own. That's yeah. an excellent idea. Very good. So Sally, with your experience in design and design research, um, how did you incorporate some of those elements into the program? Because that's your specialty. Mm-hmm. So for design, um, I believe that design research is as much about inspiration as it is about investigation. So we spend a lot of time talking about how to tell a good story internally. That way your stakeholders and your immediate team can feel closer to the people that you're designing for. And we use different examples to help teams think through that. So um, feature narratives in the form of comic books is one. Um, we also help teams make good pitches at the very end to pitch their idea. And um, sometimes groups even make videos. Ah. So I will let the cat out of the bag <laughs> and reveal that, that I was a cat grad myself. And uh, along with, with uh, Jay and Michael, uh, while we were working on a project on uh, Nuestra Clinica, which was uh, sort of an, uh, an urgent care project for the Hispanic population in, in Charlotte. And I remember as part of that, you provided some great coaching on how to provide that hook in the first part of the pitch. And so we ended up changing it around and I actually started our pitch in Spanish. And that that got people's ears perked up and like, oh, this is this is different. And so awesome coaching and awesome mentoring along the way. I will say, Ben, that I think you had the best storyboard as part of that project that I've ever seen. Now, go back two years. I didn't have a clue what a storyboard was. But as I began (laughs) to learn and develop and understand these, you guys did a fantastic one as part of that project. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of coaching and, and definitely one we were passionate about. And and also I remember being a participant myself, there were, Elizabeth, a lot of fun warm-up activities. Um, I know that it's not all about all the fun, but it was really fun. So what are some that you're willing to share? Some of the fun uh, – I guess they're not all warm-ups, but other activities that help get people into a creative mindset, into an empathy mindset. What, were, what are some of those that you'd be willing to share? And, sure. and Sally and John, if John, if you have some memorable ones as well. And so – I think originally when we talked about this, the question was about icebreakers. Even the word icebreakers just even I want to like roll my eyes because it's one of those (laughs) things where, you know, you're going to have to like do something silly in front of the room. So because of that, we call them warm ups, (laughs) (laughs) although some of them could definitely be considered icebreakers. But we have found that when we position them as you're getting ready to be creative, so you need to get in that mindset, people tend to roll their eyes less, although it's not 100% there. So one of the most recent things that we've added are some improv activities and games thanks to Jay Gerhardt. So Red Ball is one of the ones that's really easy to do and you don't need anything. You can 
you if you are in a group that is um, low energy, you can just pull Red Ball out of your head and, and do it at any time. One of the favorites is sketch aerobics, which I actually learned at an ILN. If you don't know what sketch aerobics are, Google it. It's very <laughs> fun. And I play Eye of the Tiger when we're doing sketch aerobics. If anyone needs some needs a playlist. That's a good one. While Sally's thinking, I'll tell you the most memorable for me was um, the very first day of Innovation Level 2, and we were all tasked with coming up with a logo individually. And then we took those logos, put them on the board, and through a process of collaboration with the rest of the group, we had to identify one logo for the entire group. Sally took those logos, made them into stickers, and then we all got a sticker for our laptop or our iPhone uh, that helped us kind of be together as, as a team and have a logo to unite behind. Oh, so clever. I had totally mm. forgotten about that one. You, so the cat grad, the level two catalyst, we knew that they had more skill coming into this than some of the other groups did. So we wanted them to sort of flex their design muscles right away. So right out of the gate. I, so I saw those fun. logos and I wouldn't call that skill. Um, <laughs> it was more of your skill of having to live with something <laughs> the skill we are teaching is understanding your audience and knowing that whatever you come up with is going to be what you have to live with for the rest of the semester. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Mm. I remember one of the fun activities that we did um, in, in my cohort was redesigning the airline seating experience. Oh, yeah. And I, I can't remember what we called ours, but – we had a speaker system. It was like a throne that we designed for the for the airline uh, companies to to redesign the seating arrangements. Yeah, so I, I love I love those type of activities. You just get in the mindset, get in the groove, and and uh, warm people up a little bit. So, John, tell us a little bit more about your experience as a participant. You know, looking back. What do you see as the value of having participated in this Catalyst program? So let me kind of start with kind of my recollection of, of how things went. So the very first day I walked over and met with our group and Elizabeth showed us an existing project that had been going on through innovation. And to me, the untrained person at the time, not that I'm highly trained and skilled now, but it looked like – uh, a lot of things on the wall with different colored yarns connecting it um, <laughs> with a lot of words that I didn't understand. And um, I would classify it more as a sunburst uh, in, in an art project than I would of <laughs> anything else. And so then we had some classroom time and we learned about some of the core concepts and standards within innovation itself and then revisited that particular piece, and it made a lot more sense to me. I believe it was a project related to memory care, and it showed me uh, through a new lens some touch points, some connections, and where there could be some improvements in those connections. Um, so I guess I did learn something from the classroom time uh, <laughs> that, that was there and took that away. Then we, we went on a field trip. We went to the Marriott, which in Charlotte is kind of the test lab or the live lab That's of right, everything yeah. Marriott. Um, so if they're going to do something at other hotels, they kind of test it there. And that was that was fascinating to see some of the innovations that they had had and how they had rolled those out and, and some things that did not work, some failures, if you will. And it was OK for them to fail in that test environment. And then groups began to work on their projects. And the most exciting part of that was at the end of the day, we did a group report out. 
so we could learn how things were progressing with other groups, but also learn ideas of what you had tried and how we might relate that to our respective project as well. And it just kind of ended the day with conversation among the groups, which brought us back together as a team. And I thought that was fantastic. And then as the cohort began to wind down, we reported out on our projects. Um, we had a lot of key stakeholders from across the organization that came to see those report outs. But then we got to follow those projects going forward. Uh, the most memorable for me uh, was probably a project that was done around real-time bed reporting. If you recall, real-time bed reporting at the time was a red, yellow, green chart that came out every four hours, and it may or may not be up to date when it came out. And I just saw right before we broke for the holiday season that we're going to real-time bed reporting tied into the electronic medical record. Wow. Now, I'm not here awesome. to say that that innovation project drove that entirety. But it certainly had some influence on it, and it was nice to see that project come to fruition. And I'm sure that team that worked on that uh, was instrumental in making that happen. That's awesome. And the impact that it's now having on patients and, and the system's uh, operational efficiency everywhere. So it's it's so great to, to see that impact. Yes. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some of the other projects that participants have worked on? When we first started, I think we had, I think probably half the class was from marketing, um, which sort of makes sense because they're already sort of naturally creative. But we have had teams from our strategic services groups all the way to frontline staff. So in our last cohort, we actually had a team of ED docs who are working on a project. So the projects vary from, we've had groups that are working on internal projects about how do you communicate with your stakeholders? How do you do project management better? How do you communicate throughout a division? We've also had projects that were um, very patient focused. So um, in our Catalyst Level 2 cohort, we had a project that was about that virtual handoff between um, acute and post-acute care and how to make that better and how to communicate with stakeholders so that they understood the importance. Every cohort is so different. Um, and it's, so it's really fun for Sally and I to get to know all of those groups. What I have found is you have to be extremely flexible because ED docs have a much different schedule than people who are in our strategic services group who are, you know, kind of nine to five. We've had ED docs who came in after working third shift and who sat mm -hmm. through almost a full day of class. So you can find innovators and people who are really passionate in, in all parts of the organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Sally, let me ask this next question to you. What are some of the challenges or hurdles that graduates of the Catalyst program face when they return to their daily work? One of the things we've noticed is that when Catalysts do go back to their department, it is hard to keep in touch with the innovation community. So whether it's internally or externally. So in the past, Elizabeth and I, we hosted an innovation summer speaker series. So every summer, one time each month, we would invite um, a speaker from either Lowe's or Davidson College or different organizations in Charlotte for them to talk about innovation, how they're applying human-centered design in their organization to inspire our grad cats. So, John, what are some of the challenges that, that you or, or your team faced returning back to your work after completing the program? You come out of a program like this and you're energized, you're ready to make a change, um, and you're ready to take on uh, through your lens what you see may need some help. And then enlisting the support of your leaders and colleagues and teammates along the way who haven't been exposed to that, who are working off of their task list of goals and objectives for the year, there can be a little bit of a mismatch. So to me, you know, thinking through what you want to do 
launching that at the appropriate time, embedding that into your goals and sharing that at the goal time can be a much more beneficial way to do that than to come back in June and say, I'm ready to take on a project. I think we need to change the way we do this. And everybody else is already overloaded and you don't have the teammate support. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good feedback. How do we want the CAT grads to apply these principles of design thinking in their daily work? So after they've completed the program, they've worked on a project, the project comes to fruition or or uh, maybe is completed. How, what is your goal and objective around helping people continue to apply those principles in the rest of their, their work? I am always pleased when I hear about projects that have continued or groups that have used some of the skills or activities that we've taught them. But really, my goal is that they will start to see things through a new lens. I've often said that I wasn't like formally trained in innovation. But once you start seeing things through like the principles of human-centered design, it's really hard to see them in any other way. And so what we hope or what I hope is that those principles like empathy and staying curious and testing and not being afraid to fail, that those will continue throughout their work, even if they never, you know, do a design sprint or they never want to do a journey map. Like, that's okay to me, as long as they take some of the that new lens with them uh, back to their work. What do you think, Sally? I think one of the things that we try to communicate is that human-centered design is a very solutions-oriented process. So not only do we help teams identify and articulate the problems, but also help them kind of come up with ideas to see how we can address those problems. So like to Elizabeth's point, it's about being able to look through a problem with the human-centered design lens and, you know, asking your team or yourself, like what are some of the ways we can fix this problem and what are some of the solutions that we can come up with together? Yeah, which really is so needed in healthcare, that that human-centered approach. What do you think, John? I think it goes back to one of the key takeaways I said earlier is that you've got to involve the experts. Um, And so I host a quarterly meeting around my day job, which is around risk and understanding that significant risk for the organization. And we have a group that meets on a quarterly basis called the core team that helps us understand that, digest it, and think about what we should be doing about it. So we decided to carve out one seat on that and and ask Dr. Gene Wright to be part of that. That keeps us connected through that innovation lens, um, specifically as we look for mitigation strategies to particular risks. So involving her and the team in looking at that, keeping those experts forefront and being our partner and guide and Sherpa, if you will, as we continue on our journey. Excellent. Well, let us end where we began with our key takeaways. Sally, will you start us again with the takeaways? Yes. Human-centered design is as much about the process as it is about the tools. So we've designed Catalyst in a way where we can meet the teams where they are um, so that they can absorb uh, the knowledge and be able to apply it to their day-to-day jobs. Perfect. Elizabeth, your takeaway. Yes. So my takeaway is your innovation ecosystem may start in a classroom, but it has to be done out in the world. And so um, organizations who are interested in building an innovation ecosystem need to consider not just having a class like the Catalyst, but also putting in some of that architecture that's needed to actually get innovation done. Perfect. And John, bring us home. It's uh, it's about staying connected with those Sherpas. Opportunity today presented itself. Thank you for allowing me to be here as yeah. part of this podcast. Great to reconnect with each of you. But staying connected with the Sherpas, 
bringing ideas to you, helping you, allowing you to shape those, mold those. Are these good? Are these not? Is somebody working on that? It may be able to plug in. It's going back, staying involved in the Yammer group, staying involved in these summer speaker series, just reaching out to those guides and those experts within the organization uh, to support you, to guide you, to help you. Uh, I think you guys are a wonderful team, and I'm glad you're part of this organization. I'm thrilled to be part uh, of what you're doing today. I'm thrilled to be a cat grad and an innovation groupie, if I can use that. <laughs> well, thank you. We yeah. are we are happy to have you as our a friend, an official friend of innovation. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Elizabeth, Sally, John, all of you, thanks a million for sharing your thoughts with us today. This was really great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for hosting us, Ben. Awesome. This is Ben Tingey. Thanks for listening. It's not going to work out. Oh. <laughs> yeah.